What is up, my beautiful people? And you are currently listening to the first official episode. The first official episode. <laughs> yes, finally, the official first episode of the Life Stories podcast. I'm your host, Eugene Okada Lee, but most people just call me huge. I'm finishing up my last year at UC Santa Cruz, mostly known for my many failed attempts at the challenges that I experience in my everyday life. And joining me for my first ever episode is my really good friend, Jacob Brickerfrente. Well, what's good, everyone? Yeah, as Eugene said, my name is Jacob Brickerfrente. Uh, known Eugene for a very long time, uh, just a recent graduate out of St. Mary's College, California. And uh, yeah, just living the dream. Um, but yeah, again, you know, I've been a long time friend of Eugene. And again, we're going to go over how we met later in this podcast. Um, I'm pretty sure. But uh, dude, what do you got queued up for us today? We got plenty of topics. Actually, you to know what? About. You know what? Before we get into that, how about we should talk about what the hell this podcast is about? <laughs> no, you're totally right. I'm just really excited. Uh, I'm rushing into things. So the goal the with <laughs> the goal with this podcast, the Life Stories podcast, is that I'm trying to get this off the ground, attempting to bring together creative people who need an outlet to share these crazy life stories that just happen to us in our daily lives. Um, whether if it's hectic work experiences or hectic exactly. travel experiences, or we might just talk about whatever the hell we want. Like really, who knows? Exactly. Who knows? <laughs> so you know, believe it or not, I would think that'd be kind of like your life mantra, but it really isn't. But I think we should start implementing that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But Jacob, I mean, you said we're longtime friends. Do you want to give your perspective on how we first met? I don't know. I think it was back in like 2013, I, I guess. Whatever the year was when we were in eighth grade. But yeah, exactly. I got you, bro. So yeah essentially if i remember correctly yeah i was the new kid on the block when coming into walnut creek we went to this little middle school called foothill mascot was the griffins hey go griffins and nobody says that anyway <laughs> but um yeah i remember being the uh new asian kid to the school and i was just like you know i only know a couple people that are family friends here and yeah i was just starting to make my way downtown walking fast trying to face this past but being homebound knowing that i was making new friends then all of a sudden, around like, I guess the yeah, towards the end of like the winter semester, what you call it, um, I heard rustlings and grumblings of, oh, I hear this uh, Eugene kid's coming back. And then I'm just like, the fuck's Eugene? <laughs> that was the first question I thought. And then, yeah, like next thing you know, they were like, oh, yeah, apparently like, yeah, he was one of our buddies that used to go to school with us. But then he'd been uh, studying in Europe and he's coming back to, to America. And then I was just like okay cool but like at the same time thinking shit this motherfucker's gonna take my uh new kid status away from me so well, what's the deal with that and i and technically then, wasn't the new kid i was coming back <laughs> yeah, everyone no knew yeah me. i mean yeah everyone knew you but it's still just like the fact you were coming back it was just like oh well now we can't focus our attention on the new kid we have to focus the attention on the kid that's transferring into our class and lo and behold we actually shared a couple classes at eighth grade and then yeah that's uh that's all she wrote <laughs> Yeah, that's that's crazy um, to think back that it was almost what eight nine years ago that like we first met. I mean, Jacob, you put it pretty well. I uh, came back from Europe, which my dad was on sabbatical leave from UC Berkeley. He's a professor, um, and yeah, he we spent the entire or I guess half a year in Switzerland, and he was teaching there. And once he finished, we came back, and I resumed my normal social status at foothill middle school as a regular eighth grader um but you just happen to be friends with 
all my friends that I left behind, I guess, before I left. So it was pretty cool. Um, and then Jacob and I, like Jacob said, we had classes together in eighth grade all throughout high school. You know, we were the performing arts kids. So we grew pretty close together just from those experiences and, you know, shared interests. And now we've just been longtime friends and I'm grateful to have you for this first episode. I'm flattered, bro. And, you know, with a <laughs> I was pretty honored to have, uh, what do you call it, being the first guest and all that stuff. So thank you again for that. Of course, of course. Well, we could, you know, get into our first topic. I mean, okay, but... just get into it, bro. You're the you're the kid that studied abroad <laughs> without studying abroad. So tell us oh, about yeah. that Europe trip. <laughs> All right. So I honestly, I'll start with like what my mindset has been with traveling. Um, like Jacob said, I am the kid that studies abroad, but without studying abroad. So during like summer breaks, ever since after my freshman year of college, I've tried to do some part-time work over the summer to make enough money um, so that I can spend that last awkward month. Like, you know, Jacob, um, you went to a semester system school. So you started school at like the beginning of August and then the rest of yeah. us wouldn't start until like the end of September. So yeah, I had that, we weird, that the limbo period, <laughs> that weird limbo period where I didn't know what to do with myself. So I decided, Hey, you know, after freshman year, I was just like, I want to travel. Um, I worked at a summer camp made a lot of money um working with kids which isn't my favorite thing to do but it was worth it because i made enough to travel all around europe for about a month and a couple days i think it was about 34 35 days without including the airtime air travel um so yeah i went there um my model was i would buy my plane ticket there and then my parents bought me a euro rail pass and uh the European rail system. So I could get on any second class train for essentially free, even though I was prepaying it, it was like 600 bucks to get this train ticket. Um, but I can hop on at any time, hop off anywhere, which made travel super fun. Um, and then I told myself I wouldn't come back to the US until either school started or I got super tired. Yeah, yeah. What, what was the craziest thing that happened in Europe? Cause I know, but I, I don't think the people know what, what, what was going on during that. Uh... Because you, you were making it sound like it was like, oh, you know, I just needed the sightseeing, ate some food. But let, let's talk about how that trip really went down. <laughs> the craziest thing, uh, Jacob, I remember calling you after this. But the beginning of the story, it all starts, I want to say halfway through my trip. I decided to go to Barcelona, Spain. And at, in Barcelona, I met this really cool guy. His name was Rohan. He was from Boston, originally from India. He convinced me halfway through like my uh, Barcelona stay that there was this festival called the Tomatina Festival, which essentially you throw tomatoes at each other for about an hour. The whole festival, the premise of the festival is they tie a piece of ham to a 10 foot pole and they butter up the pole. And <laughs> the whole point is the whole festival tries to climb up this buttered up pole to grab this ham before 3 p.m. And if the festival fails to do so, then the festival starts regardless. But if we do it before 3 p.m., then um, the tomato throwing commences earlier than three. Uh, so Rohan, yeah, he convinces me to buy this ticket to this festival because it happens once every year. And I was just like, hey, perfect timing. So buy a ticket, morning of, we have to leave at 3.50 to go ride on a bus to Bignol, Spain. 
which a lot of the people of Banyol um, do not speak English, just a preface. Um, it's a three hour bus ride from Barcelona. So we essentially just slept on the bus and then got there around 7 a.m. where we checked our bags in to this bag system, which I will get to. Um, but Rohan and I wanted to share a locker or like the bag system. So to essentially cut costs. <laughs> so we both paid for one locker and we shared that. Uh, so then we make our way to the streets of Bignol, um, and we actually get all the way up to the 10 foot pole with the uh, ham tied to the top of it, which is really cool. And people are just climbing on top of each other, clawing on each other. We're like hoisting people up. I remember being a part of the team that hoisted this like one chick all the way up. Um, but we were still like two feet short because like 10 feet is actually really tall when everyone else is, you know, just like super small. If obviously if we had like Shaq and Shaq was carrying Kobe, I feel like that, <laughs> that yeah, would be a good like, yeah, like 13 feet or something. Yeah. But these are just regular people. Most of them, you know, probably didn't work out. So <laughs> it's pretty and just pretty a preface. Hard. Was pre-COVID, so a oh, lot of this the is, big yeah. crowds you're explaining. This is uh, definitely back in the summer of 2018, I believe. So there's that. Um, and then three o'clock came around, and we, as a festival, failed to get the piece of ham. So <laughs> 15 tons of tomatoes. They had like 15 different trucks. Each had one ton of tomatoes, and this mile-long strip of just people throwing tomatoes at us. And then once those tomatoes were on the ground, we'd start picking them up and throwing them at each other which super cool, super cool experience, once in a lifetime experience. But what happens during the festival is I lose Rohan because Rohan's like a cinematographer. So he wanted to go like film different aspects of the festival from different angles. And I was just like, cool, I just want to throw tomatoes. So we'll say our goodbyes. If we like lose each other, we'll just go back to our destinations. Cause he was actually going to Valencia after the festival. And I was going back to Barcelona cause I was going to go ride a cruise all the way to Rome right after. But this is where the story gets interesting. So we do get split up and I was just like, all right, we said our goodbyes. We're totally fine. Festival's over. Um, I'm covered in tomatoes. My shoes are like sloshy because of the tomato juice and like my whole body is just red. Just imagine shorts. that video. Just imagine <laughs> that visual, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, it's just so crazy covered in tomatoes and i was just like all right gotta go to the lockers and i go to the lockers give them my locker number and they tell me my bag's not there and <laughs> that's probably the scariest thing you can hear when you're traveling by yourself when you put your passport your extra money phone charger my train ticket was in there your entire like life of traveling is in that bag and they tell you it's not there like <laughs> I was genuinely so scared for my life. In a panic, I tried to contact Rohan, but at that point I didn't have his phone number. We were traveling internationally, so I don't think I could have even texted him. So the only thing I could do is I DM'd him on Instagram, but my phone was at like 10% <laughs> and I dumped my phone, like portable phone charger, so I didn't know what to do. So I'm running around. I try to find the youngest people that I like, could find. Cause like I said, in Bignol, they don't really speak uh, English. Uh, it's straight Spanish and I did not take Spanish in high school. Uh, I took French, um, go French gang. <laughs> but yeah, I found these two young ladies and they were acting as tour guides, but for people that only spoke Spanish. Um, and I pulled, I told them like, Hey, my phone's like dying. Um, I don't have my bag. 
I need to get to Valencia. And we were communicating from Google Translate. I'm like typing stuff into Google Translate and it's super hectic. Um, and then they finally told me, hey, this bus goes to Valencia in their best broken English. They're like, technically you need a ticket, but you can just get on. And I was just like, thank you so much. So I'm the only kid, mind you, you know, Asian, I stand out in Europe already, covered in tomatoes. Like most of these people got like showers. I paid two euros to this random guy with a hose. And I was just like, please just hose me down. No towel and no nothing. I look more red than ever. Hop on this bus and I am so fatigued from the stress. I just nap all the way there. It's like an hour and a half bus ride. So I fall asleep. I'm like shirtless, tomato covered everywhere. And I get on the bus, get to Valencia, hop off. And I asked the tour guide that was in charge of that bus where the closest metro station was and if I could borrow his phone. He looked at me really weird when I told him um, that I wanted to borrow his phone, but he let me borrow his phone. I logged into Instagram through his phone, which is super sus. Uh, he was looking at me the entire time, like, what is this Asian kid doing to my phone? Is he hacking it? Like, that's the face he was giving me. And <laughs> essentially um, got in contact with Rohan sent him one last DM before this guy took his phone away. And I told him, Hey, I'm in Valencia. I need to come find my bag, give the phone back to the guy. Uh, and then go to the Metro station where he like pointed out and I go to the Metro station. I have no money to buy a ticket and my phone's dead. Um, so I'm sitting next to the ticket booth. Honestly, I was just like, I was defeated because that night I was supposed to get on a cruise at midnight. Valencia is about a three hour train ride that I didn't know if they still had a train running from Valencia to Barcelona. And I was stressed, fatigued, tired. I just didn't know what the hell to do. I sat next to the ticket booth and I just sat there, um, just contemplating life. Like, why is this happening to me? And this nice Portuguese lady comes up to me and she's like, are you okay? And I was just like, this is the first bit of English I'm hearing in at least 12, 24 hours. So I was just like, holy crap, you speak English? Yes, I, I need to get and find my friend. Like he's somewhere in the city. And she, honestly, this sounds suspicious, but she was just like, hey, like I will buy you a train ticket. You can come back to my hostel. And at that point, I was just like, I have no other option. I will come with you just because you speak English. And she was just like, I'll buy you shampoo. I'll buy you new clothes. You need a shower and like look better. And I was just like, perfect. So she bought me my train ticket so that I could go to her hostel. And as soon as we hop on that train, Rohan saw me and he was two cars down. And he comes running down the train and he's just like, dude, I've been looking for you all over the city. And it was like a goose chase. And I break down crying. I was just like, I can't believe I found you. Like, this is amazing. He gives me my bag. I check through all the stuff. Everything's still in there. And then from there, I start to panic. I'm just like, okay. I have a cruise at midnight. It is almost 5 p.m. And I need to find a train that takes me all the way to Barcelona station. So Rohan comes with us. So now we're a trio. We're walking towards um, this uh, lady's, I forget her name. I feel so bad. But if you ever end up listening to this podcast, just know that I'm very appreciative of you. I end up taking a shower at her hostel. And uh, during that time, both Rohan and this lady uh, were both looking for a train and they found one. And I was so grateful uh, leaving Valencia Station. They walked me all the way there and I hop on this train, get on. 
uh, get to Barcelona around 1030. I had to go back to the hostel that I stayed at in Barcelona because I left like all my big stuff. So I rushed back there and I'm running from the hostel I stayed at to the port, which was like a 30 minute run. But I had to do it because I didn't want to pay for an Uber. But anyways, I we'll get, get I get to the port around, I want to say 11.55, five minutes before the boat or the port was going to close and the boat was going to leave. So I check in. I feel so successful. Um, the first thing I do when I get there is throw all my stuff down and make sure that I have all my stuff and then just crash on my bed and call my mom. And then after I called my mom, told her about it, I called Jacob and told him about it. So called yeah, that was after that. <laughs> that was just the craziest experience. But yeah, it was super funny because I was just like driving home from classes. I'm just like thinking, what am I going to get for lunch today? And then I just see FaceTime from Eugene Lee and I'm just like, now this better be good. And yeah, that's where we went from there. I'm not sure if I have anything that can top that. I mean, the one story that would come to mind uh, probably be that time I was in South Africa, you know, for the World Choir Games. So, right, yeah, as, Eugene, right. as Eugene was uh, alluding to before, you know, we were both the performing arts kids uh, at our school. We were the, I think, two out of three Asian guys. <laughs> Actually, no, not even Asian guys, just straight up guys on our dance team. But back to the story in South Africa. Yeah, so part of the whole thing is that, you know, in order for me to become a music minor, which I graduated with, I had to be part of an ensemble. And I promised myself that I'd never do choir again outside of high school. But since it was a requirement for the minor, I was just like, all right, fine. And then lo and behold, after the first couple of weeks, I find out, hey guys, we're gonna go on tour and uh, we're competing in the World Choir Games. And I'm like, is that basically like, the Olympics but for singing and they're like yeah literally and I'm just like all right I hear South Africa and I'm like all right cool I'm in and after having a let's say I believe it was a 12-hour flight to get to like Zurich or something and then another actually it was a 10-hour flight to get to Zurich we had an eight-hour layover there and then we had a 12-hour flight down to uh Johannesburg where we were staying uh since the competition took place in Shawani but yeah, so we get to the competition, super fun. We're like meeting up with a bunch of people. One of the cool things we found out was we were just sitting down, you know, watching this choir from Norway. It's an all women's choir. And we started noticing, we're like, why is this like set list sounds super familiar. And then it hit all of us like all at once. And we were like, oh shoot, this is like the choir that they hired to do the introduction for Frozen. Um, it was like, no way. yeah, it was like the Frozen Dang. choir. And we thought it was a bunch of kids singing. Because we were like, okay, it sounds like a bunch of prepubescent boys and like, you know, like young girls. But no, <laughs> they were actually like full on girls that were like 18 to like 20 something. And then the young boys we thought were like more older women that were like in their like 50s or something. Like so, it was like a complete women's choir. Yeah, go ahead. Is this like the main music from Frozen? Like the soundtrack? Yeah, it's just like the beginning credits and then Kristoff gets shown right before like the ice cutters and stuff. And you hear like some like ethereal like kids singing or what it sounds like that are kids singing that's that norwegian choir what that's so crazy so no, they yeah. were there at that uh they, yeah they were there competing at the event and they had the best competition <laughs> yeah luckily we weren't competing against them uh, but um they were um it was beautiful in this like beautiful church so the acoustics were just impeccable and all that stuff so we were just freaking out so as soon as they finished their set 
we the first thing we did was like run up to them and be like oh my god we are such big fans and then you know obviously and we were like getting to know them and then the next thing you know we go through the competition and we get the results on this on the day and we're thinking shoot we killed it like we should be fine like uh the chaperones that came with us were watching us like yeah you guys like objectively because they were you know either like other musicians or they had nothing to do with actual saint mary's like program we're like you guys were objectively probably one of the better ones there so let's hope for the best and you know obviously we were gunning for the gold and unfortunately you, you know when, for both categories for the glee set and our chamber set we're both given silver medals and we were confused as to why that was happening and then talking to other members about it we found out during our glee set we didn't really have enough time to uh stage our uh microphones and all that so our tech we had a little technical difficulty so it was like essentially what somebody said was half the choir couldn't really be heard so like no matter how wow. good we sounded it was just it sounded incomplete for the chamber set that one was kind of interesting i'm pretty sure there was some hiccups because we were just fatigued at that point so looking back at it i could see that was a little bit more justifiable even though that was kind of the one we were hoping for would have made more sense since there was no actual like uh technology to get in our way it was mostly just okay you have nice acoustics in this thing just bring it on i mean so yeah silver go ahead. is still really good <laughs> out yeah. of the entire world it's an international competition right no yeah so they we were divided into categories based on uh i believe we were uh, we they didn't put us in the collegiate level they actually put us in the adult category so there were other uh, colleges that were winning left and right uh, gold medals. And some of them were actually insane. I believe there was one like Tabernacle Choir in like Georgia. It was like an all black choir from Atlanta. They were, they were incredible. But um, yeah, so the, you know, we, the choir was just super defeated. Um, the other gut punch too is that they had like a really big parade too, kind of like the closing ceremony in the Olympics where we were just, you know, mingling with other groups and just having this big procession across the entire city which was pretty sick um there's some picture on instagram somewhere i'm probably holding like a filipino american flag like representing or something that's so cool no, yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was pretty great um it was super culture shock too because like there was this all boys choir from south africa and they're like oh you guys are american and we were just like yeah we are I'm like, oh, shoot, guys, let's sing an American song. And they just started busting out an all-star by Smash Mouth. Yeah, there's a Somebody clip of all these once told me. <laughs> and then, but, you know, it was like from then, though, it was like the choir was still feeling you know, a lot of sorrow. They're just like, you know, feel like we, could, we, you know, put our best foot forward. But, you know, things outside of our control kind of like took away the glory from it. Then we found out that there was an after party. So that's where it starts to get interesting because they had just like the Olympic Village, a whole blocked off area of just tents with food drinks entertainment what have you and just all the other comp uh, competitors there for you to just talk with and so that's where it starts to get a little bit more interesting because they said you guys are done competing you guys are free now whatever you do is like you can do whatever you want just don't you know do anything illegal so we were brought to this beautiful beautiful hotel in johannesburg called the da vinci but the way i can describe it is yeah imagine you know one of those bougie vegas hotels but you know you have your your key card and all that stuff but it's like opening it you know touch it against the glass door the glass door opens up it's kind of like, you know, like that those vip couple, status <laughs> yeah those vip stuff and the incredibles and then they gave you like you know those complimentary like bathrobes and all that so everyone was just you know having a great time so um i came with a couple yeah who was it, it was like yeah two of my friends 
and we were just having dinner at some tapas restaurant pretty cool and all that stuff it's about like six seven o'clock and then we're thinking shoot where's everyone else at because like we haven't heard from anyone we check our group chat and everyone's like oh come to the hard rock cafe and that's where everyone's at and like and so it's about eight o'clock we get to the hard rock cafe which the next thing you know as soon as i walk in I just see all of my choir peeps just having the time of their lives completely, completely wasted. And in addition to that, all the bartenders there are already stripping for us and dancing with us. Like they're completely shirtless and like dancing with all of my friends. And I'm just like, the first thing that comes to my mind is, shoot, I got to catch up. So yeah, I talked to one of the bartenders. I'm like, hey, how do I get to that level? And they're like, oh, I got you, brother. And then he was like pouring up some drinks. I'm pretty sure we were taking a, various Jaeger bombs. And then there's also Amarula, which uh, is uh, like the prized uh, cream liqueur in South Africa. I remember you gave me some of that when you came back. Exactly. It was uh, some of that um, fermented fruit that the elephants eat and they get drunk off it. So the elephants knew what they were doing. So a couple of those in were already in my system and I'm thinking, oh shoot, well, this is having a pretty good time. I'm starting to connect with all the people in my group and we're having a great time next thing you know the chaperones there uh one of my vocal teachers kelly shout out to you kelly um for those uh who don't know she's uh, actually the voice actor for nidalee for those who play league of legends uh oh, she wow. know- That's yeah sick. yeah just a shameless plug right there um but if you look she like looks over at the at the end of the lobby and says uh julie who's our choir director she's like i think nick and daniele are carrying your son unconscious across the lobby and to which my choir director said you know with a whiskey in hand it was before the competition i would normally say something but considering you know we're basically done i don't really care <laughs> she just did that took a hey, shot of her whiskey choir director shout out to you dr j uh after a couple of those i noticed that some locals that are around our age come and they notice and like hey where are you guys from? And we're like, oh, shoot, we're from America. And they're like, oh, you guys are American? That's sick. And then so they were like, you know, dancing, talking to us. They were saying like, hey, if you guys want, like afterwards, like this is a pretty cool nightclub back in the uh, in the mall there if you guys want to come join us. And he was telling that to my uh, one of my, my girls, Kiara. Now, to give a little preface for that, uh, kind of the rule that everyone learned when you were traveling abroad with our choir was that wherever Kiara goes, you go. That was just a story. No questions asked. Don't do anything. Just follow her. You're going to have a good time. My buddy Dante, who's like six foot four, former uh, high school basketball player that used to play against Chino Hills and guard Lonzo Ball. (laughs) And was like, no, exactly. And he was just like, (laughs) hey, yo, Jacob, you're coming with us, right? And I'm just like, yeah, where are we going? And then he's like, he gave me that, you know, famous words. Where Rick Yara goes you follow um so she walks up to the the owner of the, the club and she's like oh excuse me you're the manager right and he's like oh yeah i am he's like who are you he's like, oh nice to meet you my name's kiara and he's like oh kiara nice to meet you as well and the conversation goes she's like well what brings you here uh or with me kiara and he's like well i'm here with my friends uh from america we're visiting south africa and this this is going to be one of our last days here and you know we really like your club and we were just wondering if you can just you know give us a taste of what south africa has to offer and then the manager was like yeah good deal let them all in and we were just like huh and they're like yeah come follow us and then they opened the red you know and veiled the red tape and they just let us all in for free some djs playing pretty good music and then i'm slowly getting a little bit more sober as the night goes on it's about 12 30 one o'clock right now and i'm noticing why is my group and the locals like the only ones 
dancing right now. Like I see all these girls dressed like pretty to the nines, just standing or sitting in the corner. And I'm confused thinking, well, yeah, what's the deal with this? I remember seeing all these girls here, like standing outside the mall, like around 11 when that was happening. And then it all hit me. And I remember one of the tour guys talking about it too. And that's when uh, young Jacob realized, oh shit, my boy is surrounded by like 85, 90% prostitutes. As soon as I realized that, I turned around and I see my girl, Julia Hustle, go over to one of the group of the prostitutes and like asking him, hey, come dance with us. And she's like grabbing him by the hand and they're like, okay, sure. They're like, you know, starting to get into it. And then I, you know, looked down myself, looked up, assessed the situation, realized, shoot, they're people too. Then that was the rest of the night. I danced the night away with a bunch of prostitutes. <laughs> Jacob, obviously the listeners uh, of this podcast aren't going to be able to see you, but I see you on the Zoom call and the left side of your face uh, looks a little scratched up. I don't know if you want to tell that story. I'm still pretty though. Anyway, (laughs) looking beautiful as ever. Yes, sir. So yeah, (laughs) of course, like this was a couple. uh, Yeah, this happened on Friday. Yeah, it was on Friday. And so, you know, I was just finishing up with work and I get a call from my buddy's Amadeo and he was just like, hey, uh, you want to go mountain biking with me and Kellen? And, you know, we've gone mountain biking before. You know, it's been pretty fun go just going up and down Castle Rock, just a nearby park uh, from our house. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's go in there. And so, you know, we make it up uh, to our route where we wanted to go. It was a pretty uphill climb, but we're thinking, ah, you know, this is a good place to turn around. They're like, yeah, like my legs are getting, you know, like tired and all that stuff because you know, I, work, I worked out with them the other day. Let's just turn around. Well, I'll be good. Let's, you know, we'll get some dinner and then hopefully reconvene with some of the other boys and we can, you know, go out for some drinks for tonight. And we're like, great. Sounds like a good plan. We're going back down. And, you know, they noticed, you know, my bike in particular, because I was using my dad's old bike, uh, has got the skinniest tires out of everyone. So we were like, okay, this is some slippery gravel, some slick roads. Let's have a system in order to, you know, make sure that everyone like gets down the safest. So Amadeo with the fattest bike, like his wheels are literally like five inches thick. I was like, all right, I'll lead first. Kellen, you go next. And then I'm going to turn around, see if you're good. And then you're going to tell me if Jacob's good. And we're going to keep going there from checkpoints. And so, yeah, we were, uh, Amadeo stops, looks, sees Kellen, looks back at me. And then I'd give him the thumbs up. And then we keep going. And then, yeah, so we were getting into a good rhythm to the point where I was just yelling at him, keep it going. And then Kellen was yelling at him, keep it going. So we're we're going down and we're all, we're around halfway, uh, I'd say half a mile back from the actual gate of the park before there's another section that takes you to the actual like park grounds to the mm-hmm. parking lot. So we're going there and, you know, before um we actually started our uphill trek amadeo was talking about the time that he wiped out because um you know his uh bite his front wheel tacoed and uh kellen was telling him okay if we're gonna go mountain biking you have to wear a helmet and amadeo was like i don't need a helmet but at the end of the day he decided to wear one and at good, good, good. the end of Safety that first. his helmet actually split in half kind of showing a testament as to You're what would have happened no, no yeah yeah he had like got like a crack in his helmet to see it was like because like he was like he listened to kellen and then as soon as you know amadeo turned and saw kellen kellen gave him the biggest look of i told you so and 
crazy enough, you know, we're going down. And one of the things we talked about was it was around, it's always the same spot. There's a spot in Castle Rock when you're going down. If you're going at it at enough speed, it's kind of like a weird blind S-curve. And you can actually get some air on the second hill coming up, just come how, you know, the thing is built. And so I'm going down pretty good speed. And I'm just thinking, well, you know, uh, they're, they're way ahead of me. Maybe I should catch up. But, you know, let's just... Let's just keep it safe. So I see Kellen carves his lane on the left side of the turn because that was looked like it was less rocks and it was a lot safer. So I'm like, cool, I'll do the same thing. Carve out the same route. And so I'm going down and I'm thinking, I'm leaning and I'm noticing, huh, I'm not getting as much like turn as I want to. And then I noticed like, you know, I was like, I'm coming in pretty hot. And this turn is like a lot sharper than I expected. And then as soon as I realized that I wasn't going to make the turn, I just realized, ah, shit. I hear like a crash, a couple tumbles. I just uh, find myself on the ground, on my uh, on my left side, like on my face, kind of like this. And as soon as I fall down, uh, all the words I can mutter just go, ah. <laughs> and then I just hear Kellen going, whoa, 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 whoa. And then Amadeo, apparently, he slams on his brake and immediately just thinks, he fell, didn't he? Or he crashed, didn't he? <laughs> And the first thing I do is, is like, I was just like, hmm, was well, there anything in my mouth right now? Spit something out. It's like the biggest, like, gush of blood just coming from my mouth. Yikes. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm assessing the situation. And I'm just like, okay, I don't see stars. I'm like swirling my tongue around my mouth. I'm like, oh, I still, my teeth are all intact. And what do you call it? I can still move for like, and then I'd like tried to like, um, to see if I could, uh, slowly like adjust myself and notice there's a sharp pain around like my neck and shoulders probably from a little bit of whiplash or something and as soon as kellen and amadeo come to me they were just like there's like they just see me like on the ground blood coming out of my face all over and then they were just like oh I, in fact amadeo tells me as soon as he saw me he was like does anyone know the number for the park ranger but then the first thing they said they're like jacob uh are you they're just thinking i'm dead and i just go all of my teeth are intact. <laughs> the first thing I said. And then they well, were that's like. That's one way to say you're okay. No, yeah. And they're like, oh, well, he's okay. And then I'm assessing myself as I'm going through it, going through concussion protocol. I'm like, I know where I'm at. I'm at Castle Rock. I just crashed. Uh, what do you call it? My neck hurts. All this hurts. I'm not really sensitive to light. I don't see like, I'm not seeing double. I'm not seeing stars. I think I'm good. And so I just lay there for a couple and then I'm just like asking them, they're like, hey, you guys help me up. And because it's any sort of movement of like trying to like adjust your neck and stuff at the time, I'm just like, I had no mobility. I had to like turn like this exactly. And you can, um, so yeah, a lot of pain there. And I'm just going up, you know, they're, the boys are cleaning me up. And, and funny enough, I was supposed to have like a work appointment with another agent in, in my office uh, the next day. So I'm just like, they were joking, like, just remember your right side's your pretty side if you're going to present. <laughs> But um, the best that we can do right now, because we didn't have any phone signals, so calling 911 was really an option, uh, considering we're in the middle of the, the wilderness. We're like, well, let's walk back and then assist the situation, see what we can do there, clean you up, figure it out from there. So Amadeo looks for my bike. They're like, what happened? And they found my bike literally like five, six feet away from me. And they're just like, oh, yeah, we can see what happened. And just like Amadeo's, my front wheel just tacoed from a combination of the speed and I guess the turn I was trying to take. I'm not even Dang. sure if I hit anything. It just, just tacoed. So and were you using like a regular road bike? <laughs> no, I was or, using a mountain bike. Oh, uh, mountain, just like really skinny wheels. 
Yeah, it was, you know, it's from Walmart like a couple of years ago. Uh, so yeah, shout out Walmart. Causing bike injuries. Day one. I know. Now, now I know the reason why they call it Sidewinder. Because oh, the riders are going to end up <laughs> on the side of the damn road. But yeah, so we were walking back and we make it to the gate. And I realized, oh, shit. I was wearing my AirPods the entire time. And I just realized they were out of my ears for obvious reasons and the impact. Dang. And I'm just like, shit, what am I going to do? The plot and then, thickens. <laughs> and Kellen and Alvide were just like, they looked at each other and they looked at me and like, and like we're going to go find them. <laughs> and then so they actually ride all the way back. And I'm just there sitting at the park bench debating whether or not if I should move around a little bit to avoid like going into shock. Because uh, it was getting cold. It's around like close to eight o'clock, like at night. Oh, dang. Okay. And uh, there's still light outside, but we, you know, time is waning. I wait for only about like 15 minutes to see them both come back and they just both go, we got them. And I'm like, no way. How were they supposed to find two tiny white AirPods in the middle of all this foliage? They explained to me, yeah, however it went down, wherever you, they're like, we found where you fell because there's a like a puddle of blood next to your face when you fell. Nice. Way to and leave so your we, mark. Yeah, so I was there. They knew where the bike was when it was there. And then apparently on the bend of the curve, my AirPods were perfectly placed just right there, right before the foliage. So they, they like found them miraculously and they still work a hundred percent. So dang, did wow. that. Well, shout yeah. out Apple for, I guess, being bike accident proof. <laughs> yeah. More proof than my face, but Hey, uh, we'll, we'll be back yeah. pretty soon. <laughs> uh, uh, oh yeah. But okay. Well, so anyways, everyone, I guess here's a little taste of what this podcast is right now. Obviously, over time, it'll become different with different guests and many more different topics and crazy life experiences that are going to be shared. Um, but first off, thank you, Jacob, for being my first guest on the Life Stories podcast. So, Of course, yeah. man. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, this won't be the last. It was oh, super fun. Yeah, it won't, it won't be the last. But do you have like any social media you want to shout out or any you know projects that you're working on? I know he's a singer, so he makes music. Uh, <laughs> not to put in the shameless plug, but yeah, you guys can find me on like Instagram at jacob.gabriel underscore underscore. Uh, in terms of music, yeah, you know, I've, I'm actually starting to get uh, some stuff cooking again. You know, I'm getting a monitor pretty soon so i can open up some unfinished products that i have and yeah just stay tuned on my uh on my social media to you know see if we get some stuff cooking for that so yeah <laughs> awesome thanks jacob well i would say this podcast is definitely still in the beta stages but we'll work out the kinks we'll work out uh, different ways obviously things are going to come up and things that work and things that don't work however uh we appreciate you all for joining us for this first episode and we hope you come back to the next whenever that is hopefully soon uh but for now later skaters yes, <laughs> all right <laughs>